Welcome to the RE and Friends Podcast, a Red Max Events audio experience. Hosted by Brandon Havrilla, owner of Red Max Events. Thank you for checking out our podcast where we bring in event industry professionals to discuss current events, share their knowledge, and explore ideas. Follow Brandon Havrilla on his entrepreneurial journey on Instagram at Brandon Havrilla and see what Red Max Events is up to by following at Red Max underscore events. And now. It's the episode you've all been waiting for. Hey guys, welcome back to another RE and Friends podcast episode. I'm your host, Brandon Havrilla. Today, I have a very special guest, John Simmons, all the way from Arkansas. John, how are you doing? Doing well. How about you, Brandon? I'm doing well. It's another day. <laughs> yeah. Sure. We're getting through this this pandemic. So, day by um, day. That's it. That's all we can do is take it day by day. So, John Simmons is from Crown Entertainment out of Arkansas, like I mentioned. And you've been, how long have you been in the event industry? Uh, right at, right at 12, 12, 13 years now. Awesome. Awesome. Not a so, super long time, but, uh, it, it feels like definitely enough know, to learn some things, right? Right. For sure. <laughs> that's it. Cause we're learning every day too. And that's, you know, very important. Um, and so I guess we'll, we'll br- very briefly, let's talk about this current situation. I know we've had a few conversations on this on, on live videos and stuff. Um, but how is this affecting you? What are some steps? What are some things you're doing now with your, I guess, free time? <laughs> what, uh, how are you handling the situation? Uh, I have taken the time, um, to really, uh, really take some time for myself. So the first couple of days I was just kind of trying to bum rush and, and get things done and, and deal with the postponements and cancellation stuff. Um, but now that we're, we're like deep into week two on this, um, cancellations and postponements have kind of started slowing down a little bit. Um, right. so I've just been sp- spending a lot of time cleaning the warehouse, um, doing things that I said I would do this winter, but never did, <laughs> uh, got some pallet rack and stuff in and, you know, just trying to be more organized and utilize the space that I have. Cause I don't have a, you know, I'm, I'm not bandit lights. I don't have a, a 20,000 square foot warehouse. Um, but really just trying to get all of it organized. And, uh, so whenever this does jump back off again, we can, you know, we can, um, cut down on some time spent at the, at, at prep at the warehouse and, and, uh, and make it easier for everyone involved, including myself. And then, uh, when I'm not doing that, you know, I'm, uh, I got a baby coming in June and here in a couple months. And, um, as a matter of fact, as soon as we hop off this podcast, I'm going to start ripping up some carpet and, and putting some flooring down. And it's, it's right now it's. 3:45 on a Monday afternoon, or a, let's see, this isn't Monday. This is Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, so the days Wednesday, don't matter, right? Now. Right. <laughs> They're so irrelevant. Generally, Wednesday and Thursday are, are long office days because that's when I schedule meetings, right. um, whether it be you know client meetings or team meetings. Um, and I can't tell you the last time I've been at my house at three o'clock uh, ever. You know, since I've gotten an office space, especially, but um, right. you know, it's now it's just. Uh, do what you can. And if, you know, if you want to take some time off and go home and, you know, kick it for a little bit and have a drink and put your feet up, you know, there's nothing else to do. So why not? (laughs) That's it. That's what it's all about. So awesome. A lot of awesome stuff there. And, uh, you mentioned the office space and for those that, um, don't know who are listening, um, when did you move into your warehouse or, or office space? I've been there now. Um, it's, it's a little over two and a half years or so. 
Okay. Um, awesome. So I, I haven't been I haven't been there a long time. Um, Longer you know, than I, me. I, well, I you know I started out like a lot of guys did by vocational. Um, I was in pharmaceutical sales. Well, I was in retail sales for a while. Uh, left that, got into you know courier service where I was delivering packages to, to residences mm-hmm. and office places. Uh, didn't like that, uh, and then got into pharmaceutical sales. Made some good money, but I just hated the job. Um, and my wife pushed me to 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 take this full time, and I don't think I would have, you know, if it wasn't for her saying, "Hey, we're okay." Um, so I I started this actually. It, it's kind of full circle because I have a I have a closet in our spare bedroom that I set up. Uh, I call it a pocket right. office. Um, and it's kind of full circle cause that's where I started. Uh, and that's where I'm doing this podcast from today. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. So, um, started with this little pocket office, you know, a little closet build out. Uh, it worked out great for, for what it was. Um, I had everything here at my house, whether it was in a garage or in the trailer or a combination of the two, um, eventually started getting more gigs and more stuff and, you know, more requests for things. And need a little room, so I, I left that and and got a um, uh, got a got a unit at a storage facility, climate control storage facility. The owners were super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of knew my situation, um, and a lot of the storage facilities around here, they don't have power or, or lights all the time. Um, and they said, "Look, man, we we get it. Uh, we're, we we want to help you out." So um, they gave me a double unit uh, and, and allowed me to take out the wall in between the two of them. And they hung up lights for me, and I, you know, I ran electricity out there, uh, and it worked out great. And and truth be told, uh, I'd probably still be there if it, if if my warehouse kind of hadn't fallen in my in my lap. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it worked out great. I was there for about a year and a half, um, and then one day I just kind of got the bug to look, you know, look for places that kind of suited my needs because the the storage facility, although it was great. Um, the, the cell phone access in there was terrible. So anytime I needed to make a phone call, I had to walk outside. Um, you know, I was missing client calls because it was getting broken up. They didn't have a public restroom. So I had to drive down the store to the gas station. Um, so I was like, you know what, let's, let's try to make this legit. At that time I was making some pretty decent money. I just brought on another DJ. Um, and I just said, let's find a spot that is mine and I can call it my own. Um, And I've got a good I've got a good friend that used to be the mayor of of the town that I live in, and I put out a, a, a feed to him. I said, "Man, I'm looking for something that's that's cheap that I can you know have a little office in and have a warehouse space in." And he said, "I got exactly what you're looking for. I, I know a buddy that's got some some offices that have been empty for a little over five years now. It used to be a detail shop, and he said he'd probably get it to you pretty cheap." Um, so I said, "Let's do it." And uh, you know, two and a half three years later. Here we are, still kicking it at the same spot. Um, I I love that place because it, it works out well for me, especially it's it's five minutes from my house. Um, there's a venue here in town that we have a really close relationship with. Um, we kind of, I guess, I moved into my office space about the same time that they started building, and I drove by one day and um, you know I was just looking and they said Benson are you know opening soon, so I stopped in, gave him a card, kind of grew that relationship, and it, it it's worked out super well. Um, and I'm at that venue primarily, you know, so anytime there's, there's a wedding there or an event there, I kind of take first dibs on it because it's five minutes from my warehouse and five minutes from my home. Um, so it's, it's worked out well. I love it. That's where all my stuff is. Um, you know, I can, I can go in and, and, and either, you know, walk in and a pair of sweatpants and a t-shirt 
And if I got a meeting later, I'll you know go in the office and bathroom and change and pop out for a meeting. And then as soon as they leave, it's back to Slum Village. You know? <laughs> That's it. So yeah, we have a lot of you know similarities and and differences in our our journey as well. So I mean, I started um, in 2016, uh, started the company in 2016, and was working Man, out of you're killing you know, it, bro. Working you're out of my house. <laughs> Thank you. So I've been working out of you know my house, which I still live with my my parents. So I didn't really have an office. I had a desk downstairs that I could do work at, but I wouldn't call it an office. You know, I couldn't meet clients there. Um, and there's a lot of distractions working in the house too. Right. Um, so that was one big thing for me. That was for, you know, 2016 to 2017. Then in 2017, I got a storage unit. Um, lasted me about three months. It was like a 10 by 10. And then mm -hmm. I kind of outgrew that. So I upgraded to like a 10 by 15 they had around the corner, which also was able a way to cheat the system in terms of the rent amount because they were raising my rent. And um, right. so I, I did that, moved into the 10 by 15. Um, and then about the end of that year, I kind of outgrew that 10 by 15, moved into a 10 by 25 in the same um, storage unit and mm -hmm. started to run out of space in there and i could have made it work a little longer but i had it you know set up i think similar to you where there was space to work and and you know do right. stuff in the middle um so i, I didn't want to compromise that so then between that and working from home i got to this point where i was like i really just want like you said a place to call my home to have mm -hmm. some extra clothes to meet with clients and have some food and a mini fridge and you know like yep. all that stuff I, and um so it was one of those things that obviously I think it's a big question for everyone that's that's is it worth it is is it you know it's a big jump in in overhead um for sure so that was one of those things that me being an entrepreneur was like you know what let me take the chance like I, that's that's why, why I'm an entrepreneur yeah. let me if I fail I fail and I figure something else out you know um but let me let me chance it and and for me I saw the benefit and I saw more work coming out of that um because it, it makes you look more official, professional. Um, if you can get off the phone with a bride or get on the phone with a bride and say, yes, come down to my office here, whether you actually meet there or you go meet them at a Starbucks because it's more convenient for them or whatever, it's just that kind of, you know, um, officialness of having right. an office and an address space to send mail or deposits and everything like that um, and take phone calls and, you know, everything that comes with it. Oh, yeah. So that was, that was for me. And I just moved in uh, last June. I moved in, so just coming up on a year um, nice. for my place, and and I love it. It works great for what we do and what we have now. I've filled the space fairly quickly um, mm -hmm. with inventory, so I am looking for more space, and I only signed a two-year lease because I knew I was probably going to outgrow it or learn some things that weren't going to work right. for me with this particular space. Um, so, I mean, in, here on Long Island, we're very limited on uh plots of land so i know you have a little more space there so like yeah. our parking lot um you know we only really get technically like the three spots that are across from our door um so we really only have three parking spots i keep the van in the, the in the shop but in the summer when we're kicking it and you know i got rental trucks and stuff too uh, mm -hmm. and then i have five guys showing up for a job you know the parking lot fills up quickly so that's you know one thing one limit that i've had um, and then in addition to that, only having one office, now I'm starting to bring more people in to do work in the office with me, um, sales and stuff. And, you know, it's tough when you got three people 
working in a six foot radius or, you know, a 10 foot radius with three desks trying to answer phone calls and stuff, it gets, you know, a little confusing. So I definitely want something with multiple rooms too. So it is something I've been speaking with my broker and I'm looking to, you know, move out when my lease is up, not um, this June, but the next June. So about a year and a half, just just a little less than that. Um, So I think it's interesting. And that's something I was curious to ask you too. I mean, I know you've been there for a little longer. Do you see yourself outgrowing that space or are you trying to contain your company to stay within that space? You know, I, I, I get, it's such a good deal where I am. Um, it's, and it's such a great location because it's, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of town, but it's, it's behind another set of like storefront businesses. Mm-hmm. No one really knows we're back there. So, uh, the peace of mind and having the security of, you know, no one really kind of knows where we are unless we intentionally, you know, tell people to come down. That's, that's fantastic. Um, it's five minutes from my house. That's fantastic. And it's right on the cusp of being, you know, just big enough for what I do, unless I hit another huge growth spurt, like I hit, you know, three or four years ago. Um, I think I could stay here at at least another two to three years, uh, just because of the price alone. Um, Mm -hmm. now, like you said, there are some things that I would like to, to, to change in the next spot that I get. Um, right now I don't have a loading dock. Uh, so right. having a loading dock and especially in the production world, it's, it's hard to have a shop without a loading dock, you know, cause as the events get bigger, the trucks get bigger. Um, and you can load stuff in and out of a, of a truck with the lift gate any day of the week, but it's, it's going to cost you time. And you know, it's, right. it's a lot easier and a lot safer to just push it onto a truck and go rather than, you know, having a manhandle, you know, three or four subwoofer cabinets on a dolly cart it just doesn't it doesn't lead itself to be a good situation especially sure. when when you're working by yourself primarily and deliveries is, too and deliveries yeah you know, it, you, know you could often um, you know save some money that way or if it's a business address and you tell them you have uh, a loading dock a loading dock um, you know, right it, that saves you some money on shipping yeah so. so you know right now i'm kind of you know i'm i'm I'll say I'll, I'll probably be here for at least another two and a half, three years. Okay. Um, we'll kind of see what the what the economy does with this whole COVID nineteen situation. Right. Um, see if we take a big hit, or you know maybe it puts some people out of business, and and we experience some growth mm-hmm. uh, from from picking up events. Um, but I'm I make my space work. Um, it's it, there's you know we've got a, a similar parking lot issue where we've got plenty of parking. Um, but our asphalt, you know, it just gets tore up. Uh, they had a water, they had a water line break, you know, probably six months after, after I got there and, you know, they dug it up and then they filled it full of rock. And my, you know, my landlord said, yeah, I'll take care of the parking lot, you know, uh, when it dries up. And that was a year and a half ago. And, (laughs) you know, uh, just stuff like that, that makes it a little bit more presentable. Um, I'd love to change it, but at the same time, I'm not going to put, 10 grand into a parking lot on a building that's not mine. Right. Um, and, and I may outgrow the space. Um, I may outgrow the space rather quickly, uh, mm-hmm. but we'll see, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay there as long as I can. Um, and, and I'll work out the, the details or the kinks whenever I get there. Now, if I just randomly start looking and, uh, and there's a place that comes up that the, the rent's either cheap or, you know, in, in a couple of years, if I'm in a dip, different position where I can afford to go and buy my own place, uh, make no mistake, I I will definitely jump ship if I have to, uh, but it's got to be the got to be the right move uh, for me financially and for the company uh, just fiscally. For sure. Now, before we get into the million dollar question, um, what is for the listeners so they know before we give our our answers on that question? Sure. What is your primary 
um, I guess, income source? What's the main type of event you do now? Weddings are still 60%. Um, and, and I think it teeters at like 64% of the business that we do. Um, I okay. started out as a, as a, as a regular old college DJ, DJing, uh, you know, fraternity and sorority parties, got into the bar nightclub scene, um, which is kind of weird. Cause I'm not a, I'm not a party guy. I'm 30 years old, but deep inside, I'm a 60 year old man. I want to be at, <laughs> at my house with my feet up. Um, so I, I got into that for a little bit. Didn't really like the, the bar and club environment. Um, just because I'm, I, it's weird. I'm a DJ, but I'm not just necessarily a social butterfly. Didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have friends and family getting married that needed DJs and, and that's where I kind of got my start in that. Um, and, and I've been doing that now since 2008, um, and it's 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 still the the mainstay and the chunk of our business without a doubt without question. Now we still do you know we do a lot of production stuff. We do a lot of dry rentals um, and we do some systems integration installation stuff. Um, but weddings by far is still is still the main source of income for sure. And so I guess just like a, a part two of that question is that something you want to. Um, keep and is that something you want to maintain or is your goal slightly different do you want to be doing all production and get rid of the wedding side or all weddings vice versa i'm gonna hang on to the weddings as long as i can um you know and talking with my cpa and just looking at the numbers right now it doesn't make sense to not do weddings um because the overhead is so much cheaper um you know the time in versus time out is so much cheaper um and now you know 2020 I was supposed to be my year that I am not going to DJ any more events unless they're events that I particularly want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, so if a friend's getting married and requests me to be there, of course I'm going to show up and, and perform. But, you know, just from a random bride giving me a call and say, Hey, I need a, a, a wedding DJ. I, from, from, from 2019, about, about October uh, out, I just said, we're passing it along to the team. Um, and it just, I'll keep it as, like I said, as long as I can, as long as I can manage it. Um, I think probably the goal in the next three to four years, just depending on how we grow, would be to bring someone on as a manager specifically of the DJ side mm-hmm. um, and me mo- focus more on the production stuff. I got in production kind of as a, as a, I wouldn't say a, an accident, but uh, my right-hand man, Blake, who, you know, if anybody watches my YouTube videos or is friends with me on Facebook, uh, Blake went to school for, for recording sciences. He went to the uh, Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, he's always kind of had a, a knack for studio uh, music, live music, um, and it's similar to like a full sale program. Um, and he, he went there, got a, a ton of training, but you know, a, a lot of people don't realize is you can go to these schools and they're accepting 10 or 15,000 applicants per year. But the, at the end of the day, there may be 1,500 to 2,500 decent paying jobs out there for these people that graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he came, when he came back, he was looking for, for some work and he started, you know, running sound for a, for a band. And then that transitioned to him working for a production company. And as I was kind of building my DJ business, he said, you know, it might be a good idea for you to get some hands-on experience with, with live sound in case, in case you ever start booking bands, which was never my intention. Um, but the, the first concert I went to, uh, and I've got a, you know, I've got a JBL Vertec rig, you know, 24 boxes aside and, you know, 24 subs out front and you stand out in front of house and that system just smacks you in the face. It's like, no, I, 
I want to do this. Uh, screw DJing. That's that's not cool anymore. Um, so I've I've been hooked on live music, and I'm a musician myself. Um, and I I just I went to that first concert working as it, and I was like, you know, I could I could do this too. So I started, uh, you know, providing backline and PA for bands, and that just kind of grew into into what we've got going on now. So um, we do, you know, the weddings is about sixty percent. Um, production is right at 30% and then everything else sales and system integrations about 10% of the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So for us, I mean, our, our weddings are a lot less, probably about 10% of what we do now. And that's something I'm looking to build up, but build up evenly with everything else. So I'm looking to kind of keep the the percentage about the same, although double the amount that we're doing. Grow the numbers. Um, Yeah. So most of what we do is production and rentals. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I prefer that side of it. And I'd rather see that corporate event production side uh, take off more so than, mm-hmm. you know, the weddings for me. I think there's a little more um, money there. But like you said, too, there is, um, you know, more overhead and stuff that more comes cost. with that yep. for sure. For sure. Um, so it just comes down to, which we'll talk about later, too, is, is you know, which direction do you want to go with your business? Um, right. Because I think another important thing is, you know, you could have a hundred thousand dollar a year dj company and be walking away with 80 after expenses or you could have a five million dollar production company and be walking away with 80 if it's not done right you know so um it comes down to you know what you actually want to be doing and 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 that kind of thing and uh, i think that kind of ties us into the million dollar question uh, which I want to get, you know, both of our opinions on it and share that with the listeners, because I think a lot of people that do start as DJs, uh, as they get more into the industry, they do want an office and a warehouse and they want to be a bigger, a bigger company or production company or get into those different branches. Um, and I think the real question that we both get asked a lot is, you know, is it worth it or was it worth it to make that jump? Um, mm. So what in terms of, you know, where you are and what you do, was it worth it for you? And then what's some, some advice that you would give listeners who are contemplating, is it worth it for me to do it with my business? Sure. So, um, you know, switching over into the production side, I will tell, um, anybody who asks whether it's, I get emails about this. You wouldn't believe how many times (laughs) a week, um, how, how can I get into production? Uh, well, first off, let's, let me, let me throw this statement out here at, at, at anybody really. Um, and you kind of tagged on this a, a second ago. Um, if you add up dollar for dollar time in versus time out, um, the D being a solo op DJ, filling your schedule a hundred percent where you're out every weekend and it's just you and you're making good money is a lot more lucrative business than getting into the production game. Um, because the, the costs are a lot, they're a lot smaller. Um, if I just wanted to do DJs or if I just wanted to DJ me myself and I didn't want to grow this thing out, um, I can make a hundred thousand dollars a year and be out every weekend. And my gear is, is paid for and been paid for. And the only thing I have to worry about at that point is taxes, you know? Um, but with, with the production side of things comes, um, you know, before you even get into production, a, you either need the gear or need the contacts to get the gear, yeah. uh, B getting the, getting the production contracts is such, it, it's such a struggle when no one knows who you are. 
Um, and, and I'm still, you know, I, I'm probably somewhere in the middle of my state. Um, but at the same time on the production side, I am still a nobody. Um, mm-hmm. we do some pretty cool stuff for, for awesome clients. Um, but all of that stuff was through personal connections, getting the gigs where people just call you, um, like people call, you know, randomly call us out of the blue for a wedding. It takes years and years, um, to, to get to that level to where you're not necessarily chasing clients. Um, because I think any production company will tell you, I don't know a lot of, uh, production guys that spend an absorbent amount on, uh, on advertising. Most of what we do is word of mouth. You work with a coordinator, you work with a planner, um, or you work with a facilities host at a, at a banquet hall. Um, and, and that's how you kind of get that relationship built. People aren't spending money on wedding wire or the knot or, you know, gig builder or, or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Um, a lot of it is word of mouth. So what I will tell anyone who says, I want to get into production. The first question that I will ask them is a, are you sure? (laughs) And, and B, how is your DJ company doing? Because if, if you haven't successfully built anything, building a DJ business is a lot easier than building a production business. Mm -hmm. So if your DJ business isn't doing well and you just want something new, um, I would say scrap the DJ company and go work for a production house. Um, you know, be a case pusher, you know, start off at the bottom like I did and and work your way up. And if you want to work on, you know, a lot of high end light systems and sound systems, um, you're not going to get there very fast as the, as the DJ who started a production company, you're right, going to get right. there a lot faster. If you just say, I don't want to be a DJ and I want to go work for someone else. For sure. And there's, um, there's oh, nothing oh. wrong with, uh, and I think a lot of people, especially in today's society, cause we do really praise the entrepreneur and that person who starts their own company. Um, but it, it takes a lot of work and time as you, yeah. you can both contest, you know, especially once you get that other space where you kind of lose track of time when you're there. Um, yeah. But like it, you you put a lot of time into this, and you, for the most part, while you're building the company, are handling any advertising you're doing. You're doing your website. You're doing, um, you know, any social media accounts. You're doing everything um, for the company. On top of like you said, payroll and taxes and all mm-hmm. that not so fun business side. So it is a lot of work. And I think the other question to ask too is, are you are you moving from that DJ to production side because you want to be a millionaire, quote unquote, or you want more money <laughs> or are you doing it because you really love it and you, that's what you want to do. And there's if nothing you, wrong with being right. a great number four in a there's big company, wrong with it. you yep. know? And I think in today's society, people don't talk about that enough. People are more like, no, go, go be the number one company, but it's not right. that easy. You know, nine out of 10 not of them are going to fail and not make it there. Yep. Um, so, and I, and I think, you know, especially with the, with the recession and, and all this stuff, you know, or not recession, COVID-19 and people feel like there's a recession coming after right, this. Right. Um, but I think it, it's, uh, really kind of opened my eyes to these major players out here in the DJ game, at least, uh, who you see, you know, posting their highlight reel, are always, you know, they've been the, the loudest ones on how, you know, bad it is right now uh, and the struggles that they're having with their business because, yeah, they, they built a great identity as a DJ, but they didn't, they haven't built a great identity as a business first. Um, sure. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with, with going and, and being an A4 for a, for a, you know, $10 million company um, because you don't have to invest, you know, you're working on other people's dimes. Right. Um, and if I think if I had to, if I had to do it all over, if it, if it was just me coming out of college, um, 
not being a DJ, not wanting, you know, not having the production side of things. If I had to rewind it all back again, I would 100% go work for somebody else because right now, um, you know, I'm doing what I want to do. DJing, it was a great, it, it's, it's a great job, you know, and it was for me too. Um, but the passion started going away mm-hmm. and it became a job instead of a passion. Um, whereas the production side of things, that's kind of where my passion lies. Uh, so it's, it's been a great experience, but at the same time, you know, unless you're a, you know, I would say, unless you're a, a, a cash, cash business running a million dollars a year, more than likely you handle the social media, you handle the financing, you handle the emails, you take the phone calls. Um, the bulk of that falls back on the owner, whereas you see some of the bigger companies, they've got division heads that kind of head all this off. And, you know, finding the gigs along with doing all of the other stuff is a lot tougher than it than it seems. For sure. Um, and being responsible for everything, too. Um, right. You know, and, and especially in, in a current situation like this is another way to look at it, too. Do you want to be in a situation like this with all that extra overhead and payroll yep. and now staff that you don't necessarily have any jobs for? But what do you do right. to keep them and, and, and that kind of stuff? And there's a lot that comes with it as the company grows, too. You Without know? a doubt. For sure. And I think it's a very interesting, interesting topic. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, you and know, a lot of people just see the, the glory side of it um but there's a lot behind it you know right and that's um and i don't i don't want to you know just you know dismay anybody from you know following a dream by all means i you know as an entrepreneur we're all thinkers and dreamers and doers um but a lot of people just don't want to put the work in you know Mm -hmm. it's not as simple as yeah i've got an office space and i come here and you know, I'm, I'm answering some emails and you know take some phone calls and everything just kind of rides on its own. Um, right. If you stop working, the money stops coming. And then when you've got you know overhead and you've got to worry about you know meeting people's salaries and uh, you know paying your lease and and all the other stuff that comes along with it, um, you got to work. You you just got to work. Sure. Yeah. And, and for some people, it makes more sense to do this as a part time job and have a steady nine to five uh, income. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. I just found at you know I was in a job that I hated and it wasn't a good fit for my health to continue staying there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just decided if I'm going to do it, now's the best time to do it. I was still young. Um, my wife has a good job. We didn't have any kids. This is going to be the you know if I fail now, it's going to be the best case scenario versus if I'm you know 35 and I got you know two toddlers running around. Um, you know, and I got a mortgage and I got vehicles to finance and I got an right. office space. It hurts a lot harder when you fail then versus, you know, failing at the most opportune moment. Right. For sure. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt the podcast real quick. Just wanted to make sure you guys are following us on Instagram at R E underscore and underscore friends. So you could stay up to date with all our newest episodes as well as watch our Instagram stories to see who's coming up next. And I think, um, the other important thing to consider for people wanting to get into it who do already have a nine to five and are trying to make this their full time, whether it's production or even just the DJ side. Um, and I think the DJ side is a little harder to do that with because all your events are, are weekends. Um, mm-hmm. So with the production side, I mean, I'm not sure in terms of your work for us, we do get a lot of rentals and um, corporate jobs during the week. Um, we have a fair amount of weekday events that right. that come in in the production side uh, for various companies and meetings and, and events, which 
kind of helps make it full-time in my yeah. opinion um whereas you know if you're a dj company primarily doing weddings very rarely are you going to have a weekday wedding so right. all your jobs are you know friday saturday weekend. sunday and that's not to say that you don't have work to do during the week you still got to do your social media and your advertising and meet with clients and music prep for the weekend and you, there's still plenty of work to be done um you know during the week but i think one of the biggest things is i i see a lot of people that are running their business as a hobby um, it's a weekend thing they have a nine-to-five and they're just like why isn't this full-time right. and you know one of my biggest things that I've always said and you know I've been grateful being 20 years old right now and living with my parents and and not necessarily needing to have a nine-to-five on the side um, mm -hmm. I've been grateful that I have been able to put all my time into this but I think it's very important that I mean if you put all your time in you'll get all this, you know, all your time back out, you know, you'll get events out of it and you'll be full time. Um, whereas I think if you can only put in a few hours here and there, it's going to be a lot harder to make it, um, right. you know, full time. And yep, it's the same thing with, with social media too. And, and, you know, advertising and marketing, it's, you get in, uh, you get out what you put in, you know? Um, so if you're just logging into your, your Instagram every Friday to make a post, um, you know, you're only going to get maybe not literally, but you might only get a job every Friday, you know, whereas right. if you're posting every day, you might get a job or a call every day. Um, and I think that's something important to keep in mind too. So I, I understand financially it, it is often tough for someone who has a steady nine to five, they want to make this full-time production, but that, that initial jump is scary. Um, and it might take, there's, there's going to be a buffer period where the income's not going to be there to where it seems worth it. But I think, um, it's, it's almost more important to just make that jump and take that hard hit at the beginning because yep. it will catch up to you by you being able to put all your time into that. And, yep, I agree. you know, I started as, um, more on the freelance side, for other companies and I've slowly stopped taking events and stuff with the other companies. Cause that's something else I realized is that, you know, yes, I can go DJ for somebody else and make, you know, several hundred or whatever it is, um, for that date that I might not have had anything else to make me money in that exact instant. But now I'm realizing if I can't book something for myself, I'm better off staying at home or staying at the office for those six hours I was going to be gone. And putting that into my social media or my advertising or something to get me more jobs in the future, um, which is, you know, been an interesting thing, too. But I think it's uh, important to, you know, respect your own your own time, too. For sure. For so, sure. No doubt. Um, yeah. So I think that's, you know, we covered that that question that everyone asks, uh, you know, in terms of is it worth it, um, which I think is a great question. Is there anything else you get asked a lot in terms of the warehouse space or the production side of yeah, things? You know, on the, uh, on the warehouse, a lot of people ask is, is getting an office worth it? Um, for me and I it's probably, you know, for, for you too, getting into the bigger contracts and stuff. Um, if for instance, if you're doing a, a, an event for your city and you know, they're signing a, a contract of, you know, 10, $15,000, nobody wants to come, you know, a lot of this stuff is done online, but if they do want to meet up, you know, it's always nice that, you know, Say hey, why don't you swing by the office? We'll talk it through. Grab you know, grab some coffee, and we'll just talk through the situation. Mm -hmm. Whether they take you up on the offer or not is is totally up to them. But it's always a nice thing to throw in there. For sure. Um, I'm not gonna say that having an office space has increased my business. I do think it has increased my productivity, which has in return increased my business. 
right. um, you know, working from home or working from the storage facility. Uh, I could do it if I really needed to. Um, but again, having a place where you can go in and you know that you're going to ball out for these next 12 hours. And then once that 12 hours is done, you can walk away from it. And if you can't get to it today, you'll get to it tomorrow. Right. Um, that's, that's always great. So, um, I would say if you can afford it, if it makes sense with your business, why not? Um, but don't put yourself, you know, if you're signing a lease for, for two years or whatever, right. um, and you're, you've got a, a lease that's, you know, 1500, two grand a month, you really need to sit down with your CPA at this point and see if, if you can afford it. Now, um, of course that's going to be a write-off for your, for business purposes and all that stuff, but no one knows your financial situation, um, other than you and your CPA. And if you don't have a CPA, um, now is don't, don't even think about, uh, getting an office space or having a, a long-term lease without, right. uh, talking to some sort of financial advisor, um, because they're going to be able to look at your business objectively and know whether or not you can really afford it. They're going to look out for your best interest because if, if you're not making any money, you can't pay them. If you can't pay them, um, they lose you know money as well. So for sure. Um, and then on the production side, it's, you know, the most questions I get asked is how you get into it, how you get the gigs. Um, networking is the main thing. Um, I got into it just by, you know, you know, renting out my, my DJ speakers to a band that needed stuff. And, you know, I'd buy and sell stuff. And, you know, I was looking at other production companies, seeing what they had, uh, I, knowing that it's going to take a lot for me to get to where they are, but it may not take a whole lot for me to get to where, um, you know, get to the gig status that either a, they don't want or B they, they don't have the time for. Right. Um, so right now I'm, I'm a great middleman. If you need a, a, a rocking concert sound system, uh, for 20,000 people, I'm not your guy. Now I could put you in touch with some people and I could probably even head up the project. Um, but a lot of that gear isn't going to be coming out of my shop. Uh, but if you need something that's, you know, let's say a, a conference where you're covering three banquet rooms and you need to fly, uh, some, PA and you need some projectors and you know, all that stuff. I've, I've got you taken care of. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's a, it's a little bit more than what the average DJ company can provide and maybe, uh, not enough to, to kind of get mm-hmm. the large scale production company to turn their head. Yeah, definitely. And uh, another interesting, um, question that I get asked a lot regarding the warehouse and the inventories um how did you build up your inventory how did you make the purchases and and get i guess more so the funds and stuff to do that um and i think i i was on with nick from promo only um yeah. a few episodes ago and we spoke about um one of his friends that based out of florida was a club dj making mm-hmm. 50 dollars every friday night to DJ an opening set at this club. And and that was all he did, but he loved what he did. And he really wanted to open up a production in a rental house. And you know what he did was he took $5 from every $50 gig for two years and put it aside until he could buy a stick of trust. And then he bought the stick of trust and started renting that out and took $10 from every rental of that and put that aside until he could buy another stick, you know, and then that kind of thing there you go. and build up your inventory that way. And I think that's a great method to go about it um, with this industry. So I'm not sure, um, you know, how you've handled that. Uh, I personally have gone about it, you know, in a very similar way. And I'm, I'm very big on pushing services and things that I, I know we can sell a lot more of. And once I sell it once, I'll buy it. 
So I try and sell, you know, like pipe and drape. I'll be like, yeah, you know, I'll sell it on a job and then go out and purchase it because I know once I have it, I'll be able to rent it out and sell it more right. as well. Uh, this is probably something that I am the worst person to, to learn from and maybe even the best person to learn from. I started my business, um, when I was in college, I was broke. Sorry. My watch keeps going off here. <laughs> no worries. Um, I was a broke college kid. Um, recently out of school, a pile of student loan debt, you know, didn't really have a, a stable, uh, career at that time. And, uh, I started my business on high interest credit in the form of credit cards, which is a terrible way to start a business. It's a terrible way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you're a, if you're a 20 year old kid and you walk into a bank and you tell them what you're trying to do, Oh yeah, I want to be a DJ and I'm, you know, I'm trying to DJ these weddings and I need, I need 10 grand to, to buy, uh, you know, uh, EV system and, you know, some pioneer CDJs and, you know, a couple subs, a couple moving lights. And, you know, and that's, this is what I'm using the money for. They're going to look at you like you're, you're stupid. Uh, and rightfully so. Like now that I think about, and I actually went to a bank when I was 20 years old. Uh, and I said, Hey, you know, what does it take for me to get a business loan? And, you know, um, the guy that I talked to, he was nice about it because he didn't even have to talk to me at that point. He could have just said, fill out this form and, and, you know, right. and go from there. Um, but you know, he kind of asked me what my plan was and if I had a, you know, if I had a business plan written down and, uh, I didn't know any of this stuff. Um, so he said, look, you know, you're 20 years old. You don't have, a, you don't have a dime to your name. You don't have anything in collateral that we would want. Um, the best way for you to start a business is to either a go ask your parents for money or B um, put it on a credit card, see if it works. And if it works, pay the credit card off and you know, there's your cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I come from a, I come from nothing. I'm, su- I, you know, born and raised super poor. Um, we didn't have much growing up. It's like, you know, we shopped at Walmart for school, you know, school clothes and I didn't have the, the latest and greatest pair of J's and uh, all that stuff. So I knew right off the bat, um, going to my mom for, for money wasn't an option. Um, but you know, I, I didn't have any credit. So I signed on the line to a capital one card and, uh, and they sent me a card with like a $5,000 limit. And you know what I did? I maxed that full out almost instantly. <laughs> um, you know, and then I, I signed up for another credit card and maxed it out instantly. Right. Signed up for another one and I maxed that one out too. Uh, so now I got, you know, 15 grand in the hole, uh, and really not a whole lot to show for it. Cause it's, it's DJ gear. It's not like it's, uh, a, a worthy investment because it changes so often. Right. Um, and it wasn't until right before I got my own, uh, place, you know, office wise, it was probably a year before that, that I would even say that I was in a good financial position. Mm-hmm. Um, I was making really good money, but at this time, you know, it's, it's, we're talking five or six years later. Um, you know, I was only making the minimum payments. I wasn't paying these credit cards off. And, you know, that $15,000 balance at a 29% interest rate, um, you know, those balances are well into 30, 45,000 bucks, you know, at this point I'm making good money, but yeah, you know, you gotta, you know, there's an overhead, you gotta pay your bills and, you know, you gotta pay these, you know, these, these monthly credit card fees of 500 bucks and really only, you know, only about 75 bucks is going towards principal. The rest is going towards interest. Right. Um, and that's when I kind of had, uh, a CPA, uh, look at my financials and say, I need a plan to where I can work and make a living and not have to go back to work for anybody else. So he set me up on a plan. Um, and it was a cash first plan where I, you know, I kept 
all of my cash and I paid my taxes and, you know, I I took a little bitty salary, but he's like, dude, you need to pay off this high interest debt because it's not until you do, you will, you will never grow. Um, and I think that's kind of when I really like said, Oh shit. Or, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's when I said, you know, we just had Nick Spinelli and, on. So you're good. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, no, yeah. F this. No. Um, <laughs> but at this, at, at that time it was like, all right, I need to start to, if I want to do this for life and not have to go back to work, this is something that I'm going to have to do and start taking a little bit more serious. So, mm-hmm. um, if you watch any of my like recent stuff or, you know, if they listen to a seminar that I've given, um, I lead with financials because a lot of DJs don't run their businesses like businesses. They're doing this like as yep. like it's a hobby, and that's totally fine. If this is a part-time gig and you're doing it for extra cash to put into your classic car, or you're trying to you know uh, you're, if you're trying to uh, build a deck for your house and this is just extra money for that, there's nothing wrong with with doing this as a hobby. But if you want to do this full-time then you need to have a plan, whether it's a business plan, a financial plan, a growth plan. Uh, all of it starts with a plan. So um, I'm pro- you know, I may be the worst person when it comes to how do I grow because I grew through credit. That's a terrible way to grow. Um, but now it's all, you know, it's a very similar process to, to how you do something. Whereas, you know, if I've got a, a company reaching out for, for pipe and drape, you know, if, if, Pipe and drape is, is something that I've loathed getting into because it's not very expensive, but it's very labor intensive. Right. Um, so if I have a company that reaches out and they want pipe and drape, I kind of, you know, price it through another, you know, another vendor friend of mine. And uh, if, if somebody reaches out more than twice, you know, if I get, you know, a couple leads on something once, twice a year, it's like at this point, you know, if I'm selling it twice without even broadcasting it, uh, why not just make the, make the purchase and, you know, advertise it. And then there's no really telling what I can do with it. Right. Um, exactly. And that's, that's kind of how I focus all of my, all of my purchases. Now um, I was the same way with photo booths. You know, I kept uh, sat down with my CPA and uh, he said, so this photo booth company last year, you sent them $14,000 worth of business. How come, you know, how much does a photo booth cost? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's a lot of different answers to that. You know, one of which is, you can buy one from, you know, a photo booth company or you can buy a shell or you can go direct to China and get a shell. Um, and he said, so what's the cheapest way for you to get into this photo booth where it's going to make you money, look clean and professional, you know, and nothing cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, well, it's probably going to cost me about 1500 bucks to get into a photo booth. He said, I want you to take this money right now and buy it and then put back five or $600 to advertise it. And now we got photo booths going out every weekend. Right. Just, um, part of for sure for sure awesome well john i think we talked about a lot of good stuff really appreciate your time real quick where can listeners connect with you facebook youtube instagram wherever you want them to connect where can they reach you all right so my name is a little peculiar but there's only one of me so if you type in google uh dj woo pig you will find a facebook page an instagram page a youtube page snapchat all that stuff you can find me at dj woo pig that's w-o-o-p-i-g Awesome. John, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Brandon, appreciate you, brother. Absolutely. Anytime. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the RE and Friends podcast. We truly hope that we were able to bring value. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Also, make sure to stay tuned for the next Red Max Events audio experience.